Hey, what's up? This is Jason from Centerpoint Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We're so excited to spend some time with you today. We hope that this message inspires you and makes you continue living life on purpose and for a purpose. Let's jump right into the message. Hey, welcome to Center Point. We're so excited that you chose to watch this video with us. If you want to learn more about us, visit our website, centerpointtn.com. Now, let's get into the message. What's going on, Center Point family? Jason here. So excited to be able to spend a little bit of time with you today. We're going to be wrapping up this collection of talks that we've been on for a while. This collection has been called, I Don't Know What I Believe. And really what we're doing during this time, what we have done, is discuss different areas of the Bible, different theological beliefs, why they're important, and how they all fit together. And this week we're wrapping it up with 60 seconds after you die. Now you might be thinking like, that's a little pessimistic to be talking about us dying. But the reality is, is that what happens after you die should determine how you live. What happens after you die should determine how you live. But, but we tend to just kind of live day to day or week to week or item on your Google calendar to the next item on your Google calendar with a, not a lot of thought about what happens when we die. I heard a great dad joke by a preacher actually and he said, death runs in your family. A 10 out of 10 people die. So, so we're all gonna die. But the Bible is really clear on that what we do with the life that we have here, we will get rewards for or receive punishment for eternity. If you've ever seen any sermon where the preacher does the rope analogy, where they have the big long rope that goes on forever, and they show you that little portion, and that little portion determines what the rest of the rope looks like, it kind of gives you perspective in all of this. And I think deep down we all know that heaven is going to be in the future for us, but we don't really understand the basics of it. We've, we've been saying throughout this series the complicated basics of Christianity. So 60 seconds after you die, what's going to happen? Well, the first thing I need to establish here is that we are going to be facing judgment. Now, we have to eliminate in our mind this connotation that's always negative with judgment. When you see judgment in the Bible, it often just simply means giving out what is deserved or if you've give your, given your life to the Lord, you don't get what you deserve. But you will receive an inheritance. So first let's establish this. I want you to hear what the writer of Hebrews says in 927. He says, just as people are destined to die once and after that, 
to face judgment. So, before we understand the judgment and what's going to happen after that, let me give you a breakdown of where we're going today. Now, throughout this time of our, of our talks over the last couple of weeks, we've been using this whiteboard. Like, I want to bring you back to school, and I want you to just be taking notes and really go in and, de- and dive deeper and study this on your own. So let's look, where do you go? And this is kind of what we're going to be talking about. But, but first, we need to establish that we are eternal beings. We're all gonna live forever. The location just varies. So we have to establish that first. This was in the Garden of Eden when God created man out of dirt. He took natural, he breathed his life into them, into him, it was supernatural. And now we are all eternal beings. I want you to hear the words of Jesus, Matthew 25, 46. These are words in red in some of your Bibles. This is Jesus. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So Jesus uses that word eternal twice right there, saying we will be there forever, either punishment or life. Listen to what Daniel says. This is a prophetic vision of Daniel. Daniel 12, 2 through 3. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. I love that phrase, the stars forever and ever. So, where do you go when you die? Where do you go? It may be different than you think. The reality is, is actually the Bible refers to death as sleeping over 50 different times. Maybe you or like a member of your family is like a really deep sleeper and you've ever heard them say that phrase like he or she is dead to the world. I'm a really light sleeper. I wish I was a deep sleeper because I wake up all the time. But, But there's two different words used in scripture, Sheol in Hebrew and Hades in Greek. And these words both refer to a place of the dead or a temporary holding place where you're awaiting judgment. Again, judgment isn't always bad. So these are actually the same place, two different words for them. And we are waiting. See, the Bible actually tells us that we are waiting for the final judgment. There's two different types of judgment, and we're going to break this down a lot here in a few minutes, but there's the judgment seat of Christ, and there's the great white throne judgment. So those who are dead are actually waiting. So wait a second, though, but I thought Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Like I thought Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Well, you are right if you say those things. But you're with God, but you're in a temporary waiting place, waiting for one of these two judgments. Just the same, you're also in a temporary place of torment, awaiting your final judgment if you've rejected Christ. I want you to hear what Jesus says recorded in the beloved disciple John's gospel, John 5, 28. He says, do not be amazed at this for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. So Jesus really paints a picture here of what this is going to look like. Like It almost kind of sounds like a zombie apocalypse, but it's going to be a good thing. And so I, I want you to see these two different judgments. 
The first one I want to go with is the great white throne judgment. Now, as you can see with my incredibly high artistic skills, I drew a frowny face. Why? This is not the judgment that you want to go to. In fact, if you've given your life to the Lord, you'll never see this judgment. You'll never be here. Why? Because the blood of Jesus covers it all. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'm just getting fired up. Who, who is here? It is unbelievers. Who will be doing the judgment? It's Jesus. And I want you to hear Revelation 20, 11 through 15 talks about the great white throne judgment. Now we know when this is going to take place. The judgment seat of Christ, it's debatable as to where in the timeline of end times it's going to be. But the great white throne judgment is very clear in Revelation. So you have the end of the thousand days, thousand years. Then you have Satan then, and the prophet that are being thrown into the lake of fire where the weeping and gnashing of teeth are. Followed by the great white throne judgment for people who have rejected Christ. I want you to hear what it says here in Revelation. It's a little bit long, but it's worth it. And I encourage you during, after our time, during your quiet times, go back through and read this and study it a little bit. This is so important for us to establish where we're going to go when we die. Verse 11. This is John the Revelator when he receives the revelation. Then I saw a great white throne in him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. Each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So you have Jesus who is here to settle the accounts. I actually want you to hear what Paul wrote to the church of Rome describing this, describing what's going to happen. It's a really, really scary portion of scripture. Romans 2, 5 through 6. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. Now, now I don't know about you, but standing before Jesus and going through the highlight reel of everything that I've ever done, every thought I've ever had, every word I've ever spoken, every image I've ever looked at, all of my actions combined in front of Jesus to be judged on it, doesn't exactly sound appealing to me, and it probably doesn't to you either. But here's the good news. The good news is, is that you will not be at this judgment if you've given your life to the Lord, because the blood of Jesus will cover all of that. You'll never even see the great white throne judgment. You'll see the judgment seat of Christ. Now, what I told you earlier is that we don't know when exactly in the timeline this falls, at least for sure. Now, I can hear some of you audibly yelling, it's after the tribulation. It's before the tribulation. It's in the middle of the tribulation, the beginning of the thousand years. The reality is we don't know for sure. Now, we can put some pieces together as to when it was, but I'm going to stay away from that topic because what's more important is, is that the judgment seat of Christ 
should determine, it should actually alter how we live our lives. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes it's easy to just fall on the grace of Jesus to, so I can get my get out of hell G, free card, my get out of hell free card, easy for me to say. But it's so much more than that. Like if, if we believe that what scripture says is real, then what we do here on earth will affect our inheritance forever. And, and when I hear the Bible talking about having to stand in front of the great white throne judgment, when I know that I have family members and friends that if they stop breathing right now, this is where they'll be. And they'll be cast into the lake of fire, a place that was originally created for Satan and his demons. That should bother us. That should bother us a lot. And if the judgment seat of Christ is real, then this is where we receive our inheritance. Before we talk about really what this means and dive into scripture, I want to establish something very, very clear. We are saved by grace alone. And that's it. There's only one way to the Father. And it's through Jesus. But once that salvation has occurred, well then what we do here matters. What we do here matters for eternity. So it starts with your heart, but then it should lead to action. So let's hear what Paul writes to the church of Rome, Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when we stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ, we don't go over the bad things that we did. If you think that we go over our sin, then you are underestimating the power of the cross. There is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. That being said, Paul then writes to the church of, church of Corinth, and he says this, 1 Corinthians 3.10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is by Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. I want you to underline this phrase. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test, underline that word test, the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. That's important. Even though only as one escaping through the flames. Now, I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Jason, like, what are we talking about flames for? It sounds a lot like hell. Well, you'll see in Scripture that the, the flames and fire and standing the test of fire, the proof, the testing, these are, these are terms that are used all the time. And the reality is, is that because they would have been very, very aware, the original audience, of what all of these terms meant. So basically what Paul is saying right here is, is there's a fire that will test the quality of what we've done here on earth. And if it survives the fire, then we get our inheritance. Now, I was in Boy Scouts when I was young. And listen, I don't mean to brag, but this is an objective statement. I was amazing at starting fires. Like, I had the merit badge. I taught other scouts how to light the fires. Like... I was pretty good. But what I noticed is, is that when you put something over the fire, it would heat up. 
Now I know you're sitting here thinking, yeah, duh, I get it. This is what, what is important though, is culturally what they would be talking about is really referred to people that worked with precious metals like silver or gold, and they would test it. They would light that fire, they would put the silver in a cauldron or some sort of pot above it, and as the flame would heat up, the silver or the gold or whatever the metal was would start to heat up, and the impurities would rise to the top. Now the impurities would rise to the top, and the man would scoop out the impurities toss them aside, put the fire out, let it cool down, and start the process all over again. Now this is really good. I heard a preacher say this one time, and I stole it. He knew his work was finished when he could look down at the liquid and see his own reflection. That's deep right there, that God will do this in our lives until he can see more and more of himself in us. But what Paul is talking about is, is that this fire will come to test what we've done and what is unnecessary will burn up. Now, I, I love cars. Some of you have a nice vehicle. I actually currently have an Acura that has a cassette tape player in it. True story. And I want you to have a nice car, but your car will burn up in the fire. I want you to have a nice house. I want you to have nice clothes and a jean jacket and this center point t-shirt. But none of this will stand the test of the fire, so it will not exist eternally. I will not receive an inheritance based upon how nice my clothes are. That doesn't mean they're bad, but it also means that they shouldn't be our priority. You want to know what's a priority to Jesus? Look at the things he made last forever. Material possessions don't last forever. Sin doesn't last forever. What lasts forever? Us, other humans, and our relationship with God. So I want to be reminded, if the Bible is real, and the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, is real, and that's where I'll receive my inheritance based upon works that I've done that will withstand the test of fire, this should light a fire, pun intended, under us. To remember the priority to Jesus. The priority was always people. He would leave the 99 for the one. He would go to Samaria out of his way to talk to one Samaritan woman. We church need to be reminded that our priority is people. That's the currency. I've got another verse here in 2 Corinthians written by Paul 5, 6 through 10. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say we would prefer, to be from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether at home or in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the, here it is, judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body. I have something here I want you to see. This is a chair from our offices downstairs. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's an ugly chair. And if you're thinking that, you are right. This is a very ugly chair. And like, it's not comfortable. It's like broken, so it slants at this terrible angle that hurts your back. It's got some sketch stains on it. You probably don't want to put a black light up anywhere near this chair. It's awful. But, but I want you to picture this. This 
is what your great white throne judgment will look like. This is where you don't want to be. This chair is where you don't want to sit. Trust me. You want nothing to do with that. This chair right here, these are some nice new chairs that we got here at Centerpoint. Super comfortable. Color is in style, unlike that. I think it's a salmon colored chair. I want you to have the visual of the two different seats because I think maybe we don't understand that. Now, the last thing I want us to talk about is then, what is our response? Because if we hear a message like this and it doesn't change anything about us, how we think, how we act, how we spend our time, what our priorities are, then we are fools. James talks about that, that we are then like people who look at our reflection in a mirror and walk away and forget what we look like. It's a waste of time. So we need to have a response. And I think our response is twofold. I think our first response is that we need to examine our life, our relationships, our friendships, our coworkers, our family members, our children, maybe your parents or grandchildren, maybe your grandparents. And if they don't know the Lord, time is running out. Just like in the days of Noah, as Noah is proclaiming, the rain is coming. And then what happens? The Lord is the one that shut the door to the ark. And despite those people running up and probably banging on the side of the ark, begging to come in, the time was up. They had a chance. This should bother us. Because the time is coming where the Lord is going to return. And every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And the time is coming where someone is one heartbeat away from eternity. And this should bother us for the people in our lives that will spend eternity in the lake of fire. What makes hell so, so terrible? It's the absence of God. It's the absence of light. The absence of hope. The absence of peace. God's not there. Even right now on earth, this is an interesting thought, even right now on earth, the people that are actively rejecting God are still receiving the blessings of God, or at least some blessings of God. Now that may sound strange, but here's what I mean. They're still receiving the sunlight. They're still getting oxygen. They're still eating food. These are all things that God created. When this world ends, anything of God will not be in existence in the lake of fire. Have you ever had somebody ask you, what kind of God would then send people to hell? It's a really good question. Like if God is loving, if God is love, if Jesus died for everyone, what kind of God would create this place and then put humans, who, if, if he really loves them, in this place? And it's a really good question. But here's the reality. God doesn't send anybody to hell. Our actions do. We all deserve it. What kind of God would send people to a place of eternal punishment and torment separated from him? God did everything he could to prevent it, even sending his son Jesus to die for you. And so if you're watching this today and you're in that season where you're like, I don't even really know if there's a God, Man, you need to, to, to reach out to someone. You can send us a message. Reach out to a friend that you know that loves the Lord. Send us an email. Connect any way you can. And let's walk through that together. Because the time is coming where it'll be too late. 
to universalism teaches that there are many paths to God. And some false teachers even talk about that once you die, you'll then have another opportunity to like accept or reject Christ. I just don't see that in scripture. I think it's bad theology. I think you're playing Russian roulette with your eternity. And it's a dangerous game. The final thing is, what is our response if we're already believers? We've been talking about it the whole time together. Our response is the judgment seat of Christ. And I think heaven is an upside down kingdom. I think that we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven that there's some people that, the, that, that no one ever knew on earth that were faithful with what God gave them. And that's what your inheritance is based upon. I think that there's going to be some widows who faithfully prayed for people, that gave to the church constantly, that helped people, that are going to have some big mansions in heaven. And people are going to be like, man, who lives there? I also want to talk to some of you out there that are in a season right now where you're starting to wonder if like you're really walking where God wants you to walk, like if you're really fulfilling your potential. I put that in quotations. This is based upon if you are faithful with what God has called you to do with your skill set and your situations where he has put you. So some of you may be in a season right now where the only thing that God wants you to do is you're a stay-at-home mom and you're raising your kids. And you're doing everything you can to take care of their needs, to keep the family together, and to raise up young men or women of God with basic biblical foundation so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. I'm here to tell you that that may be exactly what God has for you in this season. And you are being faithful with what he has called you to do. See, we, we, we take the callings of people and we compare ourselves. Like, if that person's on stage, they're going to receive a bigger inheritance because they can play an instrument or because they can preach really well. But not necessarily. Not necessarily. I think God has given you a specific gift. We say here at the church, you were made on purpose and for a purpose. So what happens after you die? What happens after you die is you will wait in Sheol and Hades in either the part that is good or the part that is bad, waiting for the final judgment. Now you're an eternal being at that point in eternity, and so like time will go by pretty fast. At least I think. I've never been there, at least yet. But I do want to say this, that I want every single one of you to be at the judgment seat of Christ, and I don't just want you to be at the judgment seat of Christ. I want you to receive a massive inheritance, and I want you to be taking everybody that you love and that you know with you. I hope our time today has encouraged you. Maybe it's inspired you. Maybe it's been a wake-up call. It has been for me this week because I've prepared for it. Like, I really need to get my priorities in line and recalibrate them with what God's priorities are. I hope that this encourages you that what is done in secret will be brought to light. God sees it. God sees your heart. He sees your faithfulness. He sees what you're doing. And even though there may not be any evidence that what you're doing is working, if God put it in front of you and equipped you to do it, keep going. Keep going. Let me close this out in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for each and every person that's watching this, listening to this. And I just pray that you will give them a peace during these trying times. I thank you, Lord, that your living word can speak to us during different seasons and say different things. I thank you, God, that no matter how much we messed up, 
but you never stopped pursuing us. Your word says that the call of God is irrevocable, which means we can't send away our purpose. And I thank you for that, God. A perfect God wants to use imperfect people, not to tell our own story, but to be a part of you, God, telling your story. I thank you, Lord. Thank you for everything. Thank you for never stop pursuing me. Never stop pursuing your children. If your eye is on the sparrow, how much more is your eye on your children? Lord, I love you. I praise you. And I'd do anything for you. You know I would. And all God's people said, amen. I hope that this time together during this collection of talks has helped you. It's equipped you. Maybe it's made you a little more interested to go in and study this portion of scripture yourself. That's the point. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. Don't hesitate to reach out if there's any way we can pray with you and partner with you in praying for anything. I'll talk to you next time, church. If God spoke to you in any way during the course of this message, we want to hear about it. Reach out to us at centerpointtn.com. You can partner with us. You can send us a message. We'd love to connect with you.